Inside Florida Politics, powered by Gannett. Florida Republicans are giddy after seeing Virginia swing red in the governor's race. The University of Florida is coming under fire for muzzling professors, and Governor Ron DeSantis wants to create a new state law enforcement office to go after election fraud. Hello, I'm Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor Zach Anderson, and those are some of the stories I'll be discussing today with Gannett State Capitol reporters John Kennedy and Jeff Schwears. But first... That music means it's time to throw out some numbers. Uh, Jeff, we'll start with you as the guest on the show today. Uh, Did you bring a number? I did. I brought the number five. Good number. How about you, John? Zach, I do have a number, and it's not one, not two. It's a three. Okay. Wow. (laughs) We're keeping it pretty simple this week because my number is one. That's one, three, five. Uh, Remember those numbers, folks. Uh, Some good odd numbers there. We'll tell you what they mean. In Florida politics at the end of the show. Well, President Joe Biden won Virginia by 10 percentage points, but Democrats had a bad night in the state Tuesday, losing the governor's race. The results amounted to a massive swing towards the GOP in a state that increasingly had been seen as somewhat of a lock for Democrats. Florida Republicans were quick to celebrate and speculate that the results in Virginia bode well for Governor Ron DeSantis's re-election and continued GOP control of the lever of powers here in Florida. DeSantis has emphasized some of the same education issues that Virginia Republican Glenn Youngkin focused on recently, chiefly the idea of protecting parents' rights, which became a rallying cry for those upset about everything from critical race theory to COVID-19 restrictions. John, education really proved to be a pretty potent issue in Virginia, but it also does seem like Joe Biden's sinking approval rating could be hurting Democrats. Either way, seems like good news for Republicans, including here in Florida. Well, it does. Uh, Florida Democrats were facing an uphill fight in this state anyway, but you know, at this point, almost exactly one year before Floridians will go to the polls to consider reelecting uh, Governor Ron DeSantis and Republican Senator Marco Rubio, and also deciding the fate of uh, members of Congress, which will go a long way toward deciding whether Democrats retain control of the U.S. House. Well, you know, all told, the party looks in real trouble. Um, Biden's popularity is way down, and you're hearing the rhetoric from Republicans and many independents who who blame him for, you know, you name it, the, the supply chain problems, inflation, lackluster number of new jobs being created, and for uh, COVID-19 policies that people are, it just seems getting tired of, uh, which gains more strength uh, when the virus is tamped down as it is for now uh, in Florida and many other states at the moment. But uh, education is also a hot button for Republicans right now. And uh, you have working parents, especially who have uh, struggled with COVID policies in many states that force them to stay home to care for a child uh, isolated because they've been exposed to the virus. Uh, You know, and of course, mask wearing has been another frustration in just about every school district in Florida, it seems like. Um, Here in Ron DeSantis's Florida, though, of course, uh, the the governor has been fighting such school requirements, uh, blocking them in most districts, uh, uh, except those that have uh, tried to defy him. And uh, now DeSantis has called a special session of the legislature for later this month, which will also probably turn into a kind of an open mic night, you know, for Republicans where they can unleash on Biden over his push to require larger employers to uh, require that their workers be vaccinated or undergo 
more frequent uh, COVID testing. Uh, DeSantis wants that banned along with uh, strengthening the so-called Parents' Bill of Rights that he's used to uh, uh, fight all these COVID safety protocols like masks and quarantining in schools, but which he thinks can be bolstered uh, the, the Parents' Bill of Rights. Uh, that would uh, maybe stop the lawsuits that he's facing over these steps. But, you know, it's interesting here, you know, going into next year as well, Republican lawmakers were already looking to pass legislation making school board races partisan, kind of injecting a new level of politics into these contests, which have always been, at least on the surface anyway, uh, devoid of party politics. But Republicans have been sick of having to deal with more liberal-leaning school boards, which sometimes appear you know, even in counties that are otherwise Republican leaning, uh, you know, I'm thinking Sarasota and Brevard counties are among them. So if you have uh, people running under the party banner, the theory would be that you would elect a board that is more compliant with the Republican leadership in the state. So all told, uh, Florida Republicans appear to be looking to use that Virginia playbook in the state, uh, emphasizing personal freedom and parent power over schools and the state is already more Republican leaning than Virginia, I think, right now. Uh, Democrats at this point, one year away from election, uh, they're you know, really going to need a table turner, it seems like, you know, something like Biden's popularity improving, uh, probably with a, the, a need for a booming economy, maybe triggering it, and the, uh, the settling of some of these supply chain and employment problems, which may, you know, which may work their way out over time just through you know, economic, uh, the, the, the way the economy reacts to uh, problems, um, then, you know, Florida Democrats can go back to worrying about everything else campaign related, like can the three-person field of Democrats challenging the well-financed DeSantis really attract voters? Can Congresswoman Val Demings unseat Marco Rubio? And will, uh, you know, redrawn congressional maps following the latest census uh, give them any chance of holding their own in Congress? Uh, all of that, for Florida. That, that, that's a lot to wish for if you're a Democrat. It certainly seems like the climate is really uh, favoring Republicans right now. I mean, you look at Virginia, a state that um, Biden won by 10 points, uh, you know, New Jersey, a state that Biden won by 16 points, and uh, the Republican almost pulled it out there. The Democrat did end up winning that race. But here in Florida, you know, Trump won this state by 3.3 percentage points. So if you see a swing in Florida like what you saw in Virginia or what you saw in New Jersey, I mean, it would be an absolute landslide. And that could affect races, you know, all over the ballot. Obviously, the the um, House, uh, you know, there's a big Senate race uh, between Val Demings and and uh, Marco Rubio. But then you have like these congressional races that could really determine control of Congress. And uh, it will be fascinating to see what Florida's congressional delegation uh, looks like if you do have um, a wave election like that. I mean, I think Democrats, uh, you know, are, are you know are, are hoping that uh, you know that that things that, like you said, John, that the climate changes. Um, it, and it is true also that you know candidates matter. I don't think Terry McAuliffe in Virginia was like a super inspiring candidate. I mean, he's kind of you know a politician who's been around a long time, very much an establishment insider type. So um, if you get a good candidate, that that can make uh, a difference. But definitely seems like uh, Republicans have the advantage right now. Well, governor's races 
are a big deal because the position has really a vast uh, authority uh, in, in each of these states, including over institutions such as the state's university system. In Florida, the governor's influence over the flagship university has been getting a lot of attention recently. A recent article written by our guest on uh, today's podcast, Mr. Jeff Schwears, revealed how the University of Florida fast-tracked the appointment of Dr. Joseph Ladapo to the school's medical faculty so that Governor Ron DeSantis could appoint Ladapo as Surgeon General. Ladapo has since become a very controversial figure in the state because of his views on the pandemic. Since then, UF has been at the center of another controversy involving professors who were restricted from testifying in legal cases challenging state government actions, with concerns being raised that the university is again bowing to DeSantis. Jeff, let's start with Ladapo. You wrote a very um, revealing article using uh, public records about how he got his job. Tell us about it. The emails that we got from the University of Florida showed uh, really laid out a timeline corresponding with uh, DeSantis's announcement that Ladapo would be his Surgeon General from uh, September 3rd, uh, actually from September 1st, when the Board of Trustees Chairman Maury Harsaini emailed Ladapo's resume to Dr. David Nelson, the president of UF Health, which oversees the you know College of Medicine as well as UF's two hospitals in Gainesville and Jacksonville. And uh, Nelson then told his emailed his dean saying, "Google this guy and guess what this is all about." And you know that that set the that laid down the tracks for for a very fast uh, recruiting and hiring process. Um, the, you know, within two weeks from the time he, they got his resume till he was, you know, had applied for the job and, and uh, gotten his medical license, he was hired to be a associate professor with also with the promise of full tenure, which is a whole other contentious issue. Uh, especially among the faculty at UF. The explanations that the university and the governor's office gave for all of this didn't really add up, did they? Not at all. When DeSantis announced uh, Dr. Ladapo as his new Surgeon General, I asked at the news conference whether there was any coordination with UF about this since, since it seemed to coincide with the hiring of Ladapo UF. In fact, Ladapo's official start date at UF was September 20th, and DeSantis announced him as Surgeon General September 21st. And DeSantis's comment, which you know is preserved live on video for posterity, was that I don't think the people at the university knew anything about this, you know, meaning the Surgeon General thing. And that wasn't the case at all. The emails revealed that they knew full well that this was DeSantis's choice for Surgeon General and that he had the full backing of President uh, Kent Fox, the provost Joe Glover, and uh, Maury Hassani, the, the board chairman, who I should note, by the way, was an advisor uh, to DeSantis's first campaign for governor and on his transition team uh, once he got elected and is not only an advisor, but a huge contributor who lent uh, DeSantis his private jet for campaign purposes. Uh, so there's a, a very strong political connection here uh, through Maury Hassani. Um, also, I heard recently that uh, it is kind of behind the scenes off the record that, and if you think about it, it makes sense that uh, Ladapo was not going to come for the amount of money that the state was 
prepared to pay him. The state budget caps the Surgeon General's salary at 250000 So through this uh, joint hire program, the UF was able to sweeten the pot uh, and give him substantially more you know, money. And, and his, so his combined salary is like 437000 as best as we can figure, because they've been very reluctant to to drip out the exact you know dollar amounts, and we've had to look at the this contract and that contract to add it all up. And uh, and university leaders weren't really straightforward about all this either, right? Well, there was no, I mean, there was no disclosure or heads up at all. I think they had to tell faculty members that this was happening because of the tenure angle, and it slowly leaked out to us. You know, we didn't know that UF was looking to hire this guy until really until the September 19th or that weekend uh, before it was officially announced. And we couldn't, and we made public records requests where I asked uh, the governor's press secretary, who is this Ladapo guy? I hear he's gonna be the next Surgeon General. And we didn't, you know, they kind of sat on it until the governor was ready to announce it. And we made the public records requests. And so it, from the time he announced, until just last week or whenever we got those emails, you know, there was this whole month-long period when we really didn't have any kind of insider information on how this whole deal came down. Is your impression that, that there was some deception here, that people weren't being honest about what was going on? Well, I mean, yeah, my, my impression is that they were definitely, you know, I, I think the U.S. administration was definitely trying to keep this under wraps, even to the point where Nelson, the president of UF Health, was directing the comms director on the kind of talking points that could be released to the media, including just tell them their ba- that his base salary. Don't don't mention this extra seventy five thousand dollars for, you know, for this, you know, uh, other responsibility to run some kind of diversity program. And then from the, you know, the governor's side, I mean, DeSantis, maybe DeSantis didn't know that these university officials who interviewed Ladapo knew that he was in line to be Surgeon General, but the emails are very clear. They knew that he was going to be Surgeon General. They just sat, they just didn't tell us anything until they were forced to. This is why uh, public records laws are so important. It's really interesting to see what people say in public versus what they say in private when they're communicating about uh, some of these things. Really good story. One of the emails from one of the deans was, Florida Surgeon General? Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll hire him kind of, you know, like enthusiastically embracing it. So, yeah. Well, well, Jeff, the university also is in hot water over how it has handled uh, professors' involvement in in legal cases, which used to be pretty just sort of pro forma. Now, um, the list of professors who say they've been muzzled keeps growing. Where does this story stand now? Um, you know, when, uh, it, it seems like you keep having uh, <laughs> keep having more revelations about people who are saying that they they've been kept from uh, being involved in some of these things. Yeah, it's it's like a daily uh, kind of like whack a mole. You know, who's which professor is going to raise his head up next and say, "Oh yeah, I was muzzled too." Uh, we have the initial three. Um, in fact, the 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 disclosure or the revelation that, that these three political science professors were muzzled was revealed in court filing last Friday. And uh, the Washington Post and New York Times were first to dig that up. And then we followed up and the rest of the 
state media quickly followed uh, on this revelation that there had been, you know, these people were told it's like, they can't, they got their, uh, they have had to ask in advance prior to 2020, they could pretty much do as, as you noted, they could, you know, provide expert testimony or engage in other outside activities without asking permission first. And they just would file a report at the end of the year saying, here's what I did outside of my duties as a university professor. University would go, okay. And these professors, they were going to be testifying in a case against uh, these changes to Florida election law that were pushed through this year and signed by Governor DeSantis, right? Yeah, their claims that this is voter suppression because it restricted uh, the use of drop boxes, which became very popular in the COVID era 2020 election, and also vote by mail. So uh, they, these three, and these are experts on election law, and uh, one of them is an expert on, you know, uh, elections in minority communities, which is where the, you know, the drop boxes apparently were very effective. Uh, so they were told, no, you can't. And, and of course, the lawsuit would have been very, you know, it's very critical of DeSantis's policy uh, that he signed into law here. Uh, so they were told, no, they can't do this. It, it, it came out, the accreditation board for the University of Florida, it responded almost immediately, which is rare, a record response time and, sa and saying, we're gonna investigate this, you're, you're uh, you know, you, you are broaching their academic freedom and first amendment rights. Um, the, this is seen as a very political move. A doctor was, uh, denied permission to speak in a lawsuit that had to do with school mask mandates. You know, the Department of Education has a policy uh, restricting that, you know, and, and actually punishing school districts who do try to enforce mask mandates. Um, and then four, now we, we also, turns out there are four, as my Herald reported, four law professors who also were denied uh, the right to provide expert testimony. So we're up to eight. And the fallout is alumni are calling uh, the president of, of the of faculty union saying, we're not going to, we're going to stop, you know, donating until UF cleans up this mess. Other people are saying this could affect UF's national ranking, which the governor just boasted about a month ago. U University of Florida finally got into the top five public universities. And, and now all that's uh, at risk because of this, I mean, academic freedom uh, violation goes to the core uh, of what universities are supposed to be about, and it protects and it protects faculty from the very kind of retaliation that we used to see in the fifties and the sixties. You know, uh, we had the Johns Commission that went after alleged communists and homosexuals in Florida universities, and people got fired because of that, and people got fired because they supported Martin Luther King and or spoke out against the Ku Klux Klan or, or spoke out against, uh, you know, Confederate statues. So, you know, academic freedom is really important in protecting the, the free speech rights of faculty. And that's kind of ironic, too, because the governor and legislature have been really on about the, the protecting the free speech of conservative uh, faculty and conservative students. Yeah, it, it seems like this is really uh, blowing up and uh, a lot of questions about um, whether there's uh, some political influence here. There's definitely political influence admitted by the. But is the governor's is the governor's fingerprints on this? I mean, or is it just sort of assumed? Well, I mean, when the president of the university releases a statement that essentially says, you know, we have to be careful of certain like 
activities. In, in this case, he was talking to the Senate faculty about their position on, you know, some COVID policies that the governor was promoting. And he said, we have to be careful, you know, about going against the administration. And then in the denial letters, they said that, you know, a, anything that goes against the administration could be a conflict of interest for the university because we're a state institution. So if that is seen as political by a lot, a lot of people who, um, you know, the, these three cases also are cases against uh, three of Governor DeSantis's uh, top priorities, you know, on voting, on uh, masks and election law. So I think people could, yeah, say it's it's pretty clear, uh, you know, more like I said, mentioned earlier, Maury Hassani, the chair of the Board of Trustees, he's a huge uh, DeSantis supporter. Eleven of the 13 members of the UF Board of Trustees have donated hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years to the GOP, to Rick Scott and DeSantis. So there's, you know, clearly a strong connection between the Board of Trustees and the GOP party. Definitely uh, uh, something to watch. Uh, it seems like um, this is is really uh, touched a nerve with a lot of people. Well, even as the legal fight is still playing out around the last so-called election integrity bill pushed by DeSantis, the governor already is touting another round of election law changes that, again, are being derided by critics as voter suppression. The governor even wants to create a new law enforcement office in Florida to investigate fraud. John, what's in the latest proposal and why do you think DeSantis is coming back to this issue in a state that ran a pretty smooth election in 2020? Well, it's probably no coincidence that Trump advisor uh, Roger Stone, who, by the way, was pardoned by his pal Trump for seven felony charges, including lying to Congress, that, that he's been pushing DeSantis to launch an audit of the state's 2020 elections. You know, that's all part of the this almost like state by state uh, Trump, a fantastical claim that he's lost because of election fraud. Uh, the president, uh, you know, he's turned the heat up on Texas for an audit, another state like Florida that he won easily. But while Florida hasn't gotten direct pressure, I'd say, from the president, uh, former president, the, the, the state's Lake County Republican Party has passed a resolution calling for an audit of the state's returns. And and this week, Stone said that he'd run against DeSantis, uh, probably another lie by Stone. But uh, still, he threw that out there if, if DeSantis didn't order an audit. So um, clearly, you know, the always campaigning Ron DeSantis wants to satisfy the relentless and delusional uh, Trump base. So the, the governor came up with an idea that he announced at what was basically a political rally, uh, you know, held on the state's dime in uh, West Palm Beach. Um, DeSantis uh, wants the legislature to create a new state office that would, uh, it's a law enforcement office that would investigate and prosecute election crimes. And he wants the practice known as ballot harvesting. Uh, he wants that increase to become a third degree felony penalty for that. Uh, now, ballot harvesting is a rarely used tactic of collecting other people's ballots, which Republicans are currently horrified at and which legislation the governor signed just last spring that we were talking about just moments ago, uh, that that that. Uh, law already uh, basically prohibits uh, ballot harvesting, but now he wants more teeth in the law. Um, DeSantis also wants to require election supervisors to, uh, quote, you know, clean the voting rolls, as he described it, of uh, ineligible voters, uh, something that is already widely done. But DeSantis likes to uh, fan the idea that people using dead people's names are actually voting. 
uh, kind of a you know Trumpian like uh, theme there. Um, he also said he doesn't like ballot drop boxes and he wants them to be prohibited uh, from being placed in uh, unsecure or haphazard locations. But again, the legislature and he signed the law, you know, before a, a Fox News audience just earlier this year, that elections bill already puts new limits on drop boxes requiring that they be at uh, early voting locations or election supervisors offices only. So, you know, all told, uh, DeSantis, with the exception of that law enforcement office. Uh, he isn't proposing much different than what was enacted last year, but which is currently the subject of federal lawsuits by uh, civil rights organizations and voting groups who say uh, the state's changes could hurt minority communities. Now, as, as Jeff was talking about a moment ago, the governor is also trying to limit uh, the expert testimony that could be used against that uh, that law. So, um, you know, the, the, all looking at this in, in context, maybe this call for uh, steps, new steps uh, to in, in ensure election integrity, as the governor would call it, that it's a signal that maybe he fears that the law from the spring, that so-called uh, SB 90, that it will remain tied up in courts heading into next year's election. So uh, he wants these tougher criminal penalties and drop box requirements put back on the books by next year's legislature. There's probably a good chance that those changes could draw another lawsuit. You know, it's kind of hard to tell what this is all about other than responding to a uh, kind of rabid uh, you know, Republican base right now on uh, elections issue. It's, it seems to be more about optics than actual policy. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's I don't think it's coincidental that he made the announcement after catching heat from Roger Stone and uh, going to West Palm Beach, where this campaign style rally is in the same location where he signed the elections law earlier this year, live on Fox News. Um, you know, he, he joined in the crowd of about 200 people yelling and chanting the anti-Biden, you know, let's go, Brandon uh chant, which uh, the governor egged on. Uh, the governor ridiculed Anthony Fauci, the corporate media, vaccine mandates and masks, uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, basically the kind of free-ranging, kind of disconnected uh, rants that we've seen at Trump rallies through the years. Now we've got a governor that does it. The Dropbox thing is interesting. You know, I, I saw a lot of people using Dropboxes in the 2020 election. Um, and, you know, the governor has come out and criticized those. It seems like there's some concern in some circles that they're not secure or somehow could be tampered with. I know the one here in Sarasota that I am most familiar with was actually inside the supervisor of elections office. I mean, it was in the foyer. So people would have to go inside. It was constantly under surveillance. Um, but people liked it. You know, it, they were worried that their um, vote by mail ballot would get caught in the mail and wouldn't be delivered in time. So these drop boxes were sort of uh, a backup plan for for a lot of people. And, and I, my uh, reporting, I, I saw just steady streams of people going to deliver their vote by mail ballots to these drop boxes. So that would be a big change uh, for people. I mean, people are, are really using these things. But um, like you said, it seems like the governor is trying to take some of the pressure off here from some of the folks who want to see these election audits. We'll move on to our numbers. Uh, Jeff, you had a five. You want to tell us about that? I, I do. And can I just make one quick comment? Yeah about the prior discussion there is that these lawsuits, it just seems like we are in a never ending cycle or revolving door of lawsuits over, you know, laws and policies that have been approved by this legislature, you know, under the DeSantis administration. 
do you see that too? Do you sense that we are just in a never-ending cycle of lawsuits? Yeah, I don't know, John. John, you've watched this stuff. Uh, I mean, it, does it seem like the legal challenges to state policy are are more than we've had in the past? It does. Uh, th- this past session just had you know a, a round of lawsuits over uh, you know uh, elections bills, Facebook uh, limits. Uh, uh, a number of different topics that wound up in court. I think uh, we're just seeing this reflected in the polarized politics of today that uh, the, the governor is proposing things that, you know, there are plenty of people that oppose and can drag it into court. Well, also, it does seem like some of this legislation um, has some pretty flimsy legal underpinnings. I mean, this $3,000 cap on contributing to uh, petition drives to get constitutional amendments on the ballot. I mean, the Supreme Court, um, for better or worse, has already kind of ruled on some of those things and allowed, um, you know, uh, these these large donations. So it, it was interesting to see them even go after that. A judge was basically like, you know, this is obviously a First Amendment violation and immediately suspended it. So, um, you know, if you're if you're passing legislation solely uh, to try and, um, you know, uh, deliver a campaign promise or, or check off a box uh, and it isn't very well thought out, um, you know, it, it seems like uh, it's likely to run into legal trouble. Uh, Jeff, you want to tell us about your number? Yeah, well, number five uh, refers to University of Florida's current ranking among public universities by U.S. News and World Report, and uh, you know what what the academic community is saying is that that number is likely to slip if U.S. doesn't reverse itself on this um, this policy towards. Uh, outside activities and particularly expert witnesses uh, on uh, 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 controversial lawsuits that affect the government's policies. Yeah, it, it definitely, I mean, UF has gotten so much attention and, and it's really uh, skyrocketed up in, in prestige. I mean, to be a top five public university, um, you, you do wonder if there's going to be a bit of a chilling effect if uh, how they uh, recruit um, the top academics, things like that. Will people want to come to the university if they feel like they can't fully uh, express themselves. John, uh, you want to tell us about your number? Sure. You know, uh, Florida didn't have the kind of election week that was seen in other parts of the country that was so sobering for Democrats. But but Florida Democrats, uh, you know, being Democrats, did manage to share in the loss, uh, kind of like what was seen in Virginia and uh, almost in New Jersey. My number three reflects two state house democrats and one democratic state senator from south florida all came up short in the primary for the congressional seat to replace the late democratic congressman uh, alcy hastings uh, state representatives omari hardy and bobby debose all fell short of the leading vote getter who was uh, broward county commissioner dale holness who's a narrow margin over a uh, second place finisher uh, sheila Trefillis McCormick was headed for a recount, Um, also finishing in fourth place an incredibly crowded 11 person field uh, uh, was in this race. Uh, But fourth was uh, State Senator Perry Thurston, also of Broward County. Um, Now, now the winner of this primary is almost certain to be elected to uh, Congress in January when uh, the general election is held. But, um, you know, this is an overwhelmingly uh, Democratic district that connects black neighborhoods in Broward and 
Palm Beach counties and also goes into the farming region around Lake Okeechobee, uh, it, it'll stay Democratic, that's pretty sure. But but Governor Ron DeSantis managed to delay the seating of this likely uh, Democratic member of Congress uh, into the new year, kind of uh, sticking it to Nancy Pelosi a bit. Um, you know, uh, Hastings died back in April, but here this new member of Congress is not going to be seated uh, until sometime in January. Uh, the, the governor sets the election dates and the uh, Republican governor found a way to mess with Pelosi's uh, thin leadership margin in Washington. And uh, similarly, the governor sets the primary election dates to replace these three losing Democrats in the legislature. He uh, set that for January 11th, the day that the legislature begins its 60-day session. And uh, the general election won't be held until March 8th, which is just three days before the session uh, adjourns. So uh, a huge community of predominantly black Floridians, two House seats and a Senate seat, will have no direct representation during the 2022 legislative session. That uh, just reflects the power of having the governor's office in Republican hands. And it's, uh, it's another loss that you can add to the results of uh, this week's uh, really troubling week for Democrats nationally. Yeah, Democrats already struggle to have any influence in Tallahassee. Uh, so to be even more shorthanded during the legislative session is not going to help. Uh, my number is number one, as in as of Monday, we're exactly one year away from the 2022 elections. Start your engines, folks. People involved in politics often talk about how quickly things can change and how a year is like a lifetime, but the reality is that the 2022 narrative already is pretty firmly established. And barring a major event or revelation, as John said earlier, you know, some kind of game-changing thing, it seems like the general dynamics of the election don't seem likely to change all that much. And they do seem to strongly favor Republicans right now based on the election results in Virginia and New Jersey. And that means DeSantis is in the driver's seat when it comes to his reelection bid. And right now, he seems like a pretty formidable candidate. The governor's really taken enormous criticism from the left for his hands-off approach to COVID-19. And he's uh, kind of just shrugged it off and really leaned into that approach uh, in a pretty aggressive and strident manner. And that has really endeared him to many um, in the GOP. Uh, and and really, uh, when you see, um, you know, what happened in Virginia, the Republican there did the same thing and, and, it, and, and it worked out uh, pretty well for that candidate. So um, the results from Virginia and New Jersey indicate, uh, though, it's not really just Republicans who are unhappy with some of the COVID restrictions and uh, with Democrat policies in general. And that does bode well for Florida's governor in 2022. That wraps up another episode of Inside Florida Politics. I want to thank our audio production guru, Thomas Cordy. And thanks to all of you for listening. We're out of here.